Unity Presbyterian Church online. This week in worship, it is Youth Sunday, so you are going to hear from three of our youth, Nate Combs, Alyssa Diulio, and Madeline Carey. Let's listen. The first reading is from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one, because they have more reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Relationships and connections are such an important aspect of life, especially to me, and I hope they are to you too. As I said earlier, everyone in this room is connected by many ways. It could be by friends, family, church, or God. Let me start off with the fact that in my 16 years of life, I've come to the realization that I do not like being independent or alone. But as Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, two is better than one. I mean, I can be an independent person if I want to or need to be, but other than that, do not count on me doing things alone. Because I am not an independent person, I have to focus on making good relationships with others, along with actually connecting with the people I have relationships with. In the fall of this year, my sister will be going to college in Raleigh, three hours away. I have cried before, but her leaving for NC State will be a whole new level of sadness for me. You see, my sister and I have a different relationship than most siblings. Not only is she my older sister, she is also my best friend. I love spending time with her rather than yelling at her to get out of my room like most siblings do. Though we are super close now, when I was born, Madeline wanted nothing to do with me. Before me, she had the attention, but when I came along, I changed the game. But anyway, we have come a long way in the past 16 years. There isn't anyone else I would want to call my sister. I just can't get over the fact that she won't be able to back me up or argue against our parents with me. What I have learned from our relationships is that you, if you put in the effort, you will surely see results. Relationships are not a one-way street. Both people have to be willing to connect with one another. But besides family, the biggest relationship in my life is God. I know that I keep talking about me, but I'm guessing that since you're here today in church, that you have a relationship with God too. You know, one of my favorite things about him is that he is an amazing listener. It's funny, because I am not the same as God when it comes to listening. I admit it, sometimes I'm not the best listener, but we all have our flaws, right? But let's be honest, sometimes it is good to be different from one another. You can learn about that person and build on your relationship with them. God, God is always there, and I mean 25-8. I talk to him all the time, even when I don't realize it. I know that he is communicating back to me when I think in my head or have thoughts. People may doubt that he's listening to me, but I know my heart and mind that he's listening. He gives me answers even when I don't know what to say. It may not even be the right answer, but I know that God will be my, by my side, so I just stick with it. Like all relationships, there are some rough patches that do need to be sorted out. People can have a relationship, but also have differences with that person. Not everyone is the same, and we just have to respect that. Don't get me wrong, I'm a very opinionated person, so it can be hard for me to accept other people's opinions. But getting past that first part and accepting each other as you are is a start to a beautiful relationship. I know I am preaching about relationships and how they go, but don't hold me accountable because I never said they, that they would be perfect. Let's face it, none of us are perfect. God accepts that, and he still loves us anyway. 
You can't expect the person you have a connection with to be perfect. Trust me, your relationship with them won't go any far if you think that they will make no mistakes in time. We all have our flaws, so let's just deal with them instead of trying to be perfect and pushing them away. As I said before, I am very opinionated, not independent, and not the best listener. There are just three of my many flaws that I wish I didn't have, but that was what God gave me. The purest connections in relationships are when you love someone despite their flaws and differences with them. Okay, so this next part I'm about to talk about can be especially difficult for me, and that is envy. Yes, you heard me. I hate to admit it, but sometimes I do envy others. I never say it out loud, but I definitely wish for what someone else has that I don't. In my book, you're an extremely strong person if you have never envied someone else for a certain reason. But I realize that even when I envy someone, that doesn't change who I am. When I was born 16 years ago, I was known as Alyssa Diulio. Guess what? That's still my name. I'm still Alyssa Diulio. That hasn't changed. Envying doesn't change anything. It doesn't make you different. God made me the way I am and you the way you are. No matter what, we should just trust him because it's not going to change if we envy someone. And We should always trust God because he's always there for us. Sure, you can envy, but don't count on that changing you. I mean, yeah, I do envy how strong-willed my mom is or how my dad doesn't care what anyone says about him. Of course I wish I had what they had, but I don't, and that's okay. You can have the best spouse or friends or partner and still envy them. But I hope you learn what I have, and that is that you are you and they are them. Okay, now that we've actually talked about relationships and their basics, let's discuss the three major parts to actually build one. Though I am stating them as steps, relationships are not a one, two, three type thing. It is about a way to grow on your connection with others. Whether it is a, a friendship or partnership, relationships don't exactly just happen overnight or in a second. It may take a little while. Usually a relationship starts out with an introduction or so-called the initiation stage. Sounds crazy, but it may not be the easiest for everyone to walk up to a stranger and tell them about themselves. Personally, it can be kind of frightening for me to go up to someone and be like, hey, my name's Alyssa, what's your name? Despite my nervousness, I know that God is right by my side through every step of the way, which is a sense of comfort for me. But take a look at the people around you. How did you and those people meet? I'm pretty sure you guys didn't start a type of relationship by not saying anything to each other. Maybe one day after church, you guys were introduced to each other, or you even walked up to them, started saying your name, and then just kept talking. From personal experiences, most relationships have a main source of communication. For me and my sister, well, we didn't really have much of a choice because we are sisters and there's no way of getting out of that. I see her every day and talk to her all the time and that is our way of communicating. On the flip side, God and I have an internal connection. I think in my head or I talk to myself and I know that God is listening to me and answering my thoughts or questions in some sort of way. Every relationship has a starting point and it differs with everyone. But after the introduction, the hope is that you build on your relationship or connection with that person. So generally, the next part of constructing a relationship is learning more about that person and how you are a friend or partner with them. Don't get me wrong, opening up to someone is hard, which is why moving from the introduction part to the next is hard. When you meet someone, they may act super nice as a person, but when you start to learn about them, they could be totally different than what they seem when you first met them. This may be God's way of telling you to focus on relationships with other people rather than the people that won't do you any good. Learning more about a person and expressing yourselves is difficult. God does test us in this part of a relationship, not to punish us, but because he wants us to open our hearts. I don't know about you all, but I tend to think and prepare for the worst. 
Immediately after I open up to someone, I could have doubts that they would betray my trust or leave me hanging. Opening your heart could start an amazing connection, that, <clears throat> but opening a relationship could have an amazing connection. Your friend or partner may be able to relate to you on a certain level. If not, they should accept you and love you for who you are. With some of my friends and family, I can totally relate to some of their circumstances. But if not, I have to do my best and listen to them when they need to talk because I know that they would do the same for me. The last and probably the one of the most difficult things in a relationship, commitment. Commitment is extremely important, but some do struggle with it, and that's totally okay. This part of a relationship is when you know if your connection is pure or not. Just because you may not be ready for a full commitment does not mean that your friend or partner should leave you in the dust. On the other hand, even if you're not ready for commitment, that doesn't mean that you should run instead. In the past, I've been able to commit to types of relationships. I can do that, but I can't decide which ice cream flavor I should pick that night. Commitment is different from everyone. Some may, be able to, some may be able to commit to a friendship, but not a romantic relationship. Some may be able to commit to relationships, but not what to get for dinner that, that night at a restaurant. If you know that you want to have a certain relationship in your life, but are not ready to fully commit, if that person truly loves you, they will wait until you are ready. Even if you can't count on the other person for a relationship or connection, at least you know that God will be with you because he is not the one leaving your side and he won't ever. So now that we said all the steps in our relationships, said one final time, they are such an important part of life. Saying hello to someone or even saying your name could be the beginning of a bright future for you with someone. Whether you realize it or not, a single word can give you a partner or a friendship that will last a lifetime and beyond. Yes, relationships do come and go, but that is okay. The main person I want sticking with me is God. I want him to be with me until the end, and knowing him, he will be. Just know, good and bad, God will be with you forever, so that I was already run one relationship that you can totally count on. I just encourage you to go up to someone and say hello. You never know what could come out of it. Um, the next reading is from John chapter 15, verses 12 through 14. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. In this section, Jesus commands us to love each other twice. And the fact that this is put in the form of a commandment means that it is not an option in our life. It is not something we can just do if we feel like. It has to be a deliberate response to another person, regardless about how we feel towards that person. And I would say that all, or at least a lot of us, struggle to this point. We say, how can you command love? Love is a feeling, and if you don't love somebody, you can't help it or you can't force yourself to have a connection with someone. And I have said and thought this more than I would like to admit. There is always some kids in school who you just don't get along with. For whatever reason, you just don't click with everyone, and usually I would just leave it at that and never make a real attempt to form a connection with that person. And while we know, all know the saying, what would Jesus do? It is very hard to live by those words, and it is a very natural thing to think that we just don't get along with everyone. But Jesus commands us here to love everyone, and that seems even harder than just connecting with someone. You think it's hard to love a few people, 
much less everyone. And that's because we have a discontorted view of love and what it means to love someone. Love, as Jesus speaks of it here, is far different. We can be sure of one thing. He would never command us to do what it is impossible for us to do. So how does Jesus expect us to love everyone we meet realistically at all? The secret, of course, is that we are to love as Jesus has loved us. This kind of love is to come out of the kind of relationship that Jesus has with the Father that made it possible for him to love us. In the same manner, form, and source, we are to love one another with the same quality of love that Jesus has loved us with. He loved us because God is love, and Jesus was connected to the Father with that love. He was in the Father, and the Father was in him. And as he yielded to that relationship, love flowed out. He could not help it because God is love. And since God is love, as we yield to that relationship with Jesus, love flows from us. And that love will have the same qualities that Jesus' love has. He goes on to define for us the aspects of love that mark the quality of his love for us, which we are also to try and show one another. The first is in given words when Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Love lays down its life for another. We all know how Jesus fully exemplified this himself. His is the greatest love and connection that anyone can demonstrate towards friends. But obviously, this means more than simply dying physically for them. If it meant only that, there would be very few of us who could or would ever fulfill this. There's not a lot of ways to sacrifice yourself for your friends, and it's a very tall task to ask of everyone. But God is commanding us to do this repeatedly. So how does God expect everyone to sacrifice their life and then just casually sacrifice their lives a few more times? He really doesn't expect you to jump in front of a few trains like in an action movie. The Bible is just too complicated for its own good a lot of the time. What he really means by this is that we are to give up ourselves for one another. When you go out of your way to meet a friend's need and you are willing to give up yourself for him or her, you are laying down your life, at least a part of it, for that person. That is what God is asking us to do. We don't have to get crucified like Jesus. We don't have to fall in love with everyone we see. And we don't have to sacrifice our lives for strangers either. We just have to live in love like Jesus lived and loved. And Jesus already gave us the example about how to do this with his life. The way that Jesus lived his day-to-day -day life is enough for us to see how God and Jesus wanted us to live in love. Just treating people with respect and caring is enough to sacrifice something. And while sacrifice is an intimidating word, in this sense, it really isn't scary. It could just be giving up the time to get to know or help someone, or swallowing your pride and perceived conceptions about someone and finding out that they weren't as bad as you thought. By following Jesus' and God's examples, we can sacrifice and love much easier than you would think. And when we sacrifice and love like God wants us to, we form connections with people. Again, Jesus wouldn't expect us to do the impossible, and he's not expecting you to form a deep and amazing bond with everyone you interact with. Jesus just wants you to sacrifice your pride and time to treat people like he would. I think that Jesus gives us this commandment to help us deepen our current and long-term connections with friends and family and to help us make new or temporary connections with people through God's love. But all of this is a lot easier said than done. 
It's a lot easier to say that you should never disrespect anyone and that you should take out of time out of your day to talk to someone you don't really like. But God would never ask us to do the impossible. So he's not expecting a 100% success rate. God just wants us to live and form connections like Jesus and to spread God's love. He's not asking you to fall in love with the stranger you helped, and he doesn't expect you to sacrifice all of your waking hours to forming and maintaining connections with people. But I think that there is some expectation placed upon us to try our best to live and love like God and Jesus. If you remember, Jesus is actually commanding us to love like this. So there isn't much wiggle room for not forming these connections at all. But again, Jesus and God would not expect you to do the impossible. And that's the beauty. You don't have to worry about being perfect. We can just focus on making a genuine effort to actually live the what would Jesus do lifestyle in our connections with people. And I believe that's how we can love people and in turn form connections with them like Jesus is charging us to do here. Our last reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 2. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. Count your many blessings, every doubt will fly and you will be singing as the days go by. I played that on the piano over and over as my granddaddy listened along to the melody of the old hymn while sitting nearby in his wheelchair. In fact, as I played, many other familiar residents of the nursing home congregated around me, enchanted by the music filling the quiet halls. I had so much sympathy for the elderly people who almost seemed cast out by their own families. They deserve happiness, and I saw music as a small way to contribute and as a way to remind them that they are not forgotten. If anyone had the right to be sad, I thought for sure it would have been my grandfather. He lost his adoring wife a few years back, and then he moved to a retirement home where his only connections to his happy life were the frequent visits from mostly my mother and I. Yet for some reason, I never felt like I had to cheer him up. He never seemed to expect more from anyone. I asked him about his unflappable positivity and it was response was always, count your blessings, Madeline. His deep voice described a wonderful 66 years with the love of his life, the chance to raise three lovely children, and how lucky he was able to, be, to see his grandchildren and even some great-grandchildren grow up. My granddaddy taught me to appreciate what I have instead of being miserable from endless desires. That, to me, was worth more than any number of songs I could ever play for him. The days I spent in their retirement home with him and the other residents showed me the significance in valuing others. Each and every person has value, and it's our job to respect that. Some of the times of the most joy in my life were sitting there in front of the keys, surrounded by people that in some ways were abandoned by society, and I knew that I was brightening their day. My granddaddy taught me to appreciate what I have and to help others gain what they lack. Eventually, I had to face the day when we lost him. I was sitting on the wooden pew, barely hearing the speakers through my haze of disbelief. I was certain it was much too soon and that there was no way my granddaddy could be simply gone. I remember I started to slip into grief when I heard the opening line of a hymn start to play. Count your many blessings, every doubt will fly. Today, my granddaddy's motto means more to me than ever. 
Although there is no way I can actually be my grandfather, there have been many instances where I find myself imitating his wisdom through living in accordance with his advice. In a letter to the Corinthians, Paul calls on, calls on his audience and says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Again, in the letter to the Philippians, he tells them, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have, have us a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. This is a man who had an instant conversion after a face-to-face -face encounter with the risen Lord, became a great apostle, and spread the gospel all the way to Rome. Christianity wouldn't be what it, was, what it is today without the connections he formed with others throughout his journey to share the truth. But even with those credentials, he is not calling on everyone to copy him because he thinks so highly of himself. He's calling on everyone to copy him because he is copying Jesus. And as terrifying as it may sound, that is who we are called to imitate. Now that does not mean we're expected to live exactly as Jesus lived, but that means we are called to try and follow his example. We must also keep in mind how perfection is his alone to achieve. This is a daunting task, but luckily Paul left us some instructions to follow that will help. In the verse we read earlier, there are two steps he describes that will help us build up our connections with each other and with the Lord. First, we must remember the Lord in everything. I remember my grandfather when I hear the song, Count Your Blessings, or scribbling the motto in, back, in the back of every school notebook, but Jesus is everywhere. My favorite places to see Jesus are the breathtaking Blue Ridge Mountains I will be so blessed to wake up to at Liberty University beginning this fall. In my anatomy class I took this past semester where I saw the intricateness of the human body and in the children I am so lucky to teach swim lessons to in the summer. By recognizing the Lord in all places of our lives, we are better able to connect to him, allowing us to live as more fruitful imitators of Christ. The second step given by Paul is the more hands-on of the two. In this step, we are called to maintain the traditions as he taught us. In an excerpt from Titus, Paul highlights these, ways, these in a way that relates to us. It says this, remind them to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Living like Jesus allows a new aspect of connection and harmony between human beings. There are many components to this verse, but I would like to focus specifically on community. That is the one I find a special importance in. For example, in the nursing home with my granddaddy, what good would it have been if I had played that piano in an empty room? The only reason I was able to bring joy to others was because I chose to share with them. In the same way, God did not only send his son down to earth to pray in a room all alone. He sent Jesus specifically to form strong connections with a group of people. Then after this limited time was up, these people were able to form connections with other groups and to be them as Jesus was to the disciples. Each of these connections is directly related to Jesus and therefore our connection to God. The fact that I love most about this is that it is not some ancient story from thousands of years ago. We are living components of this today. Each of us are somewhere in this giant web of connections that encompasses almost 2.4 billion Christians and each of us are not only capable of expanding this network of believers, but we are called to. 
By this model reiterated by Paul, we are able to connect ourselves closer to God by recognizing him in our daily lives and forming connections with, the, with others like, by living like Jesus himself. As a community, we've already led some great examples of living like Jesus. We come together for vacation Bible school, community breakfast on the first Sunday of the month, prime timers, our youth groups, and so much more. May we continue to connect to others through examples that Jesus laid out for us so many years ago. May we strive to remember him in everything and maintain the traditions that he taught us. I charge you to connect to others and to God through himself through the direction that Paul led us so many years ago. I challenge you this week to recognize God's involvement in all aspects of your life and to strive to lead a life where you can see Jesus in yourself. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.